and welcome to the Land Party Lawyers Podcast, where we tackle issues at the intersection of gaming, law, and business. I'm your co-host, Nick Brown. And I'm Steve Blickensdurfer. And today, we're going to be talking to you about cybersecurity issues facing video gamers and the esports industry. But before we get going, we got to remind you real quick that nothing we say here is legal advice. So today, shift gears, we're going to focus about cybersecurity issues facing video gamers. And I am excited, very excited to have with us a professional gamer, content creator, all-around great guy, Professor Broman, Ben Broman, with us here today to discuss some of these issues. Ben, which, as we'll get to in a little bit, has had some first-hand experience with cybersecurity issues in gaming and how it can impact uh, competition in the gaming space. So to give a quick roadmap of where we're going, we're going to talk and lay the groundwork for cybersecurity in gaming, what, what that looks like. Then we're going to, you know, that will involve talking about some recent hacks involving top games, how criminals use stolen funds to launder money, things like that. In the middle of all that, we're going to talk to Ben and about some of his experience and brainstorm ideas. What are some of the legal recourses uh, that are available and what the gray areas where maybe there may not be some recourses available that maybe we should be thinking about you know, shoring that up. So without further ado, Nick, why don't you tell us what we mean when we say cybersecurity in gaming? Sure. So uh, cybersecurity issues generally involve bad actors like hackers uh, using computers or other internet connected devices as cyber weapons to exploit code and security flaws in games or uh, people that just aren't paying enough attention uh, to gain access to another computer or system. And once they're in, they can do all sorts of nefarious things in the gaming space, like gaining, you know, just from the bottom level, gaining a competitive advantage in a game, but all the way up to causing a disruption in competition or breach systems to, in fact, scrape data and other info uh, to find ways to make or launder money. So I may know this, but some others may not. But what is the difference between cybersecurity and data privacy? Sure. So they're related but distinct concepts. Uh, they're often thrown around together. But data privacy usually refers to the laws and regulations that revolve around collecting and using data, whereas cybersecurity issues usually involve a bad actor trying to do sneaky stuff to get your data and ultimately your money. Uh, we actually have another Land Party Lawyers podcast that's dedicated to the data privacy issues that you should check out. Right. So we're strictly here talking about the cybersecurity aspect uh, as it relates to gaming. So Nick, why don't you give me some examples of cyber attacks and the ways and the various forms that they take? Sure. So there are four main examples. The first one is kind of the classic that pretty much everybody knows about. These are viruses or other malicious code, uh, sometimes referred to as malware. Uh, in, in this example, hackers can introduce viruses and other malware to trick computer users to open infected programs. And once those in programs are open, then the virus or the malware can steal data, it can lock up your computer, it can do all sorts of nasty stuff. Uh, PC gamers in particular are susceptible here because there's a lot more opportunity to download third-party programs that can augment one's gaming experience that you don't know where they came from or you don't know what people have done to them. That's right. Sometimes as a gamer, you don't even have a choice but to click on that suspicious link. So Another example are DDoS attacks or DOS attacks. That stands for the distributed, uh, distributed denial of service or just denial of service, depending on how the attack is set up. But essentially, the gist of it is um, there's one end that's sending a flood of information or packets of data to the target, the victim, 
and the idea would be either to drop that computer from having access or connection to the internet or to overload a program or system to cause failure, whether physical failure or just software failure. So it's just so much that the computer can't take it and it ends up ruining other processes too? That's right. That's right. Another example of cybersecurity, cyber attacks in, is social engineering attacks, uh, sometimes commonly known as phishing attacks. And that's, that's phishing with a PH. With a, with a PH, exactly. That, that can, consists of using low-tech or non-technical approaches to persuade people to compromise uh, security, security procedures and disclose sensitive information. So a recent example of that involved Fortnite, actually, where accounts were hacked due to an exploit in the way uh, subdomains uh, authenticated uh, logins. So the to fall victim to this attack was actually very simple. All a player needed to do was click on a link. Uh, it was actually a crafted, very carefully crafted phishing link. Like a Trojan was, horse. Well, that introduced that, exactly. It was designed to look like it was coming from Epic Games. Um, and then once clicked, the hacker were able to steal, the hackers were able to steal the user access tokens uh, and perform an account takeover. And once inside, the hacker controls the accounts, can purchase in-game items using V-Bucks or whatever the, the currency is, and even poses players online talking to other gamers. And to increase the likelihood that someone's going to click on this link, you can, as you can imagine, you would entice them saying, you know, click this link for 25% off, you know, V-Bucks or whatever. Which is especially scary when you think about the fact that, you know, Fortnite is a really popular game amongst kids. And kids are probably more likely to be susceptible to that sort of thing than adults. Terrifying. Exactly. So once clicked, uh, there's really no need for the user to do anything further. The authentication token uh, was then immediately captured by the hacker. And, but fortunately, in this instance, Epic fixed the problem and uh, solved that issue. But that is one example that does exist. And the fourth example that we have is you know, classic data breaches or theft. Uh, this is where people hack in either through brute force attacks or otherwise to get to the data of another. The goal is to commit fraud or otherwise, you know, obtain their data that, that is private they don't want you to have. One recent example of this was in Fortnite. Uh, there were some reports of criminals that actually created accounts and then used stolen credit cards to purchase in-game items. No doubt, credit card data that were that was obtained from other hacks. Yeah. And then once they got in, they made their account, they bought all the stuff on the account and pumped it up. Then they would turn around and sell it on a third-party site, like an auction site or something like that, for a fraction of the cost, and thereby laundering the money in the process. So, Nick, why is this a big deal for video games and the, and the industry as a whole? Well, so, you know, crime and fraud is bad anywhere, but as the video game and esports industry continues to explode in the popularity that we've seen over the past few years, bad actors are going to be, you know, increasingly att attracted to it and setting their sights to try to figure out new ways to exploit and take advantage of the people in this industry. It's particularly true given the fact that we're seeing a lot more money in the industry now, what with esports uh, competitions, with uh, esports getting more popular and generating more advertising with more microtransactions in games and as more credit card and bank information find their way onto game servers the risk is only going to go up and up and up uh, and as more money is on the line for these games there's also going to be a greater risk of cybersecurity issues it's just going to be a giant target that attracts these types of people that's right so as we think about this the next question would be who are the targets 
So as you could tell from the examples that we gave, <clears throat> some of the targets will be those games at the very top where most of the gamers are playing and where most of the money is. Your Fortnites, your Dotas, exactly. all the big battle royales that are out now. In, in, in researching this issue, uh, I came across an interesting stat. In the end of 2018, early 2019, the top 50 Fortnite items uh, that were listed on a very popular online auction uh, brought in about $250,000 to a, according to a report. So this, this obviously creates an incentive for hackers uh, engaged in similar cyber crimes to get a quick buck. And so uh, another potential target would be esporting events. As you can imagine, there's a, a desire to gain a competitive edge, whether through a cyber attack or otherwise. And um, that is a uh, uh, definitely going to be an increasingly popular target as more money gets pumped into these esporting events. Not to mention everyday gamers, right? People that just want to play games in the privacy of their home, either online or on single player games, uh, particularly the ones that end up following or having private streams or I'm sorry, popular streams that engage with the public. Uh, and it, as it turns out, we actually have one of those with us today. That's right. And we have Ben Broman with us, a professional gamer, broadcaster, fundraiser, Hellraiser, an all-around good guy with us on the podcast. Ben, welcome to the Land Party Lawyers Podcast. Ah, thanks for having me. So I, I consider you to be like the Frasier of uh, the gaming industry, giving great advice on your, on your stream, Ask Broman. Uh, that helps content creators and broadcasters starting out. But you know, I don't want I don't want you to pick you as Frazier if you want to be Niles. Uh, no, Frazier's fine. Okay. <laughs> my my wife would be really really happy with that comparison as well. The, so. the, <laughs> are you listening, Ben? Uh, <laughs> so I I understand that you you actually started out with an interest in cybersecurity. Is that is that true? Yeah. Um, so one of the last things I was studying before I ended up sort of falling into the streaming full-time it was just something i originally did as a hobby was cybersecurity. so I was, I was starting to get my certs and things like that i I learned enough to make me super tinfoil hat on my head paranoid about <laughs> a lot of things yeah um but not enough to know everything to do about it so pretty interesting situation but yeah <laughs> like so i had a i had a passing interest in it much uh before i got into streaming full-time and it's actually served me really well since I've started because, you know, uh, as gaming has become more popular, there's always there's always people who are looking to, you know, make things hard for you as a broadcaster or a YouTuber or anyone online who might end up being a target. So, so taking that experience that you had and general interest in the area of cybersecurity, I would consider you to be a, you know, kind of above average on the education scale with respect to looking out for things and, and uh, you know, practicing cyber hygiene. Have you ever yeah. experienced a cyber attack yourself? Yeah, um, I have uh, a few times. I mean, um, uh, a game that people, if, if you watch me on Twitch, I'm Professor Broman. One of the games I'm known for is Destiny. Mm -hmm. uh, Destiny has a, a pretty severe security bug uh, that's been present due to the way they manage their networking, wow. um, which is peer-to-peer, -peer, that uh, leaks your IP. So a big problem that they're dealing with right now is anybody who's in uh, competitive situations in the game will have someone on the other side of their game pull their IP as they're matchmaking into whether it's a you know PvP match, uh, or in my case, it was a little bit worse, and uh, you know use whatever they've got around their house or 
uh, a rented server or whatever they might be using doesn't take that much to knock off a residential uh, line. Uh, and, you know, DOS or DDoS uh, your connection. So that's really fun. Uh, my my worst experience with it was during a raid race. So if you're not familiar with Destiny, it has big uh, capstone pieces of content called raids. They are, every time one comes out, there's a race for worlds first. It is the only time that race will ever happen. Uh, you know, it's it's like the Olympics if, you know, you, there was only going to be one person ever who was the fastest person alive and it's individuals it's not on teams it's a it's a team-based thing so uh, every raid team has about six people in it that's okay. the minimum requirement uh so during the most recent raid race uh for destiny uh myself and the rest of my my team were knocked offline uh systematically during the race to prevent us from competing in it essentially oh no wow uh and while there's not really a cash prize for this you can obviously uh there's a lot of you know rapport or you know status that comes with it we my team's gotten a, yeah my, my team's gotten a world first before for another raid in destiny and we're in the guinness book of world records for that wow. um, so do you think that's why they targeted you i think that there are a few reasons why we were targeted one we're highly visible um and it was you know our team got targeted and so did a couple other teams that uh, traditionally are in the running to get world first. So I, I think people just wanted to sort of throw a monkey wrench into the whole thing, um, which is really frustrating because you have this experience that you're trying to share with everyone. That's the whole point of broadcasting. Um, and to have it sort of corrupted like that, it's not just ruining one person's experience. You know, I think we had uh, 60 or 70,000 people watching across all of our streams uh, during this. So, it's, you know, it's, you know, it's like ruining an entire yeah. NFL game for everybody. Yeah. Um, did, what did you do as a result? Like without getting into any specifics, if you talk to sure, or anything. Um, well, I, um, I have two connections in my house. Uh, I have a residential connection that I use for all my gaming stuff. And then I have an enterprise connection for my stream. That's really robust. It's got like six fallbacks. Uh, it's the, it's the same stuff they, they'll put in hospitals, you know, so it's enterprise level connection. Um, it took them a few months to install it, but I, I did that specifically as a security measure because, wow. you know, this is my livelihood. Um, and along with residential internet being dodgy, sometimes if a person were to grab this IP and e even use, you know, a rented server to try and take down my connection, they might be able to do it for a second, but the moment they did that, I would you know get a call on my phone. There'd be a tech heading out to the node by my house, and they'd be ready to switch my IP and put me on a new connection on new hardware with new MAC addresses, all this other stuff. So, uh, you know, and and that's that's a, that's an expensive investment for me. It's not the l cheapest internet in the world. Yeah. Um, but you know, that's the lengths at which I've gone to protect myself on my streaming side for the residential connection. Uh. I just had to wait for them to stop. Yeah. Uh, to finish the raid race, I tethered my Wi-Fi from my phone to my gaming computer, and no we finished way. it over over Wi-Fi. That yeah, that's I mean that's how we handled it. Wow. Uh, myself and two other me and one other person had to do that, um, and some other. So I think someone else might have gone to some uh, another person's house, but it, you know it was very frustrating. Uh, Whatever sacrifices you got to make to get that world first, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we, we still finished in the top 10 despite all the issues. Nice. Uh, but yeah, it was great. Um, but you know, it 
it really stinks to know that you had it but there's this third party actor who really ruined everything for right. everyone not just our team so so what would you have done differently if anything i don't know i don't know if you could have done so anything there, differently there's a, like i like i said there's a specific well there's one thing we could have done differently but it's primarily uh out of my hands so the one thing i could have done differently is not have we could have just not had our party open mm -hmm. um but because we're all broadcasters we default run our party on because we're playing with viewers all the time and it makes it easier for them to join us it also unfortunately makes it easier for people to do this yeah um this is the first time in five years somebody used this particular method uh somebody joined our party right before the race started and then we kicked them and then they that's how they got our ips oh. um so technically that's a vulnerability uh, a choice that we made um or entertainment values that made us slightly more vulnerable. But uh, the uh, going further down the pipe on that, the way that Destiny's um, server structure is set up because it is peer to peer and they have these like synthetic instances and, and things like that, it's there's all this IP handshake sharing and stuff. Um, and it's been like that since Destiny 1 came out. And, and this has been a primary complaint of the community for a long time uh, that, you know, if the game was on dedicated servers, uh, that this sort of behavior wouldn't be possible because mm. you wouldn't be able to see my home IP if we're all logging into a server. Well, so other than, you know, using dedicated servers, are there other things game developers can do that you'd recommend to make it easier for people in your position to avoid these type of problems? Um, uh, another big problem that we've been having recently is a lot of devs will use voice over IP, mm -hmm. um, stuff. And again, with, with voice over IP, you're sharing your IP. Um, so if you want to have in-game communication with other players, which is awesome for making content, you know, you're running around a, an open world like Sea of Thieves or in the Division, and you run by someone and you're like, hey, jerk, and, you know, whatever, <laughs> you you know, you talk some trash and, you know, you create a narrative and you have fun in the game. But when you're doing that via a VoIP service that's kind of baked into the game, the only way to avoid someone yanking your IP that way is by turning it off. As far as solutions that I am aware of, uh, dedicated servers for PvP games is sort of the only way. Um, Sounds expensive. And it is expensive, uh, and that's why a lot of people avoid it. There's also some technical stuff that the reasons why they avoid it. Uh, when you force everyone to log into a dedicated server, you have to spin up an instance every time something happens. Um, if you know, whenever you're listening to this, if you look back to the launch of a game called Anthem, Anthem has dedicated servers, but the loading issues is one of the biggest critiques about the game because every time you move your party from one location to another, it has to spin up a server instance for you, which takes time. Yeah. So games like Destiny will opt to save time by making everything peer to peer because it's just a whole bunch of handshakes and then you're good to go. Um, but you're sacrificing a little bit of security. Um, to make it less expensive and also run faster. So it's sort of like, you know, your hands are sort of tied. Yeah, um, yeah some serious trade-offs there. Yeah. So all this begs the question, uh, what can you do? Uh, and in your case, Ben, what, you know, were you able to do or maybe not do, um, is a better question, when when it happens, when you've been hacked? I, you know, I, I think, um, you know, when your IP's been leaked or when any of your personal data's been leaked, which is also something that's happened to me before, um, the, the best way to respond is to believe it or not, like first contact your IP and get your IP cycled or find out how you can do that. 
Um, most services that they're either going to be able to do it for you on a phone or they're going to tell you to unplug all of your equipment for up to 24 hours, whatever it takes for them to unregister your router's IP and then reissue you a new one. Um, and usually that'll handle the IP situation. If you're, if your information has ever been, you know, leaked or if you're receiving threats or whatever, um, contact the authorities and start a log of, of this behavior. Yeah. And this, um, and that could happen at the state and federal level. They kind of have a concurrent jurisdiction in that regard. Sometimes there's cooperation between authorities and sometimes there isn't. So it can be quite frustrating. And especially um, given the tech involved, you know, it can kind of be difficult because you would be the one educating the, the authorities on what happened and what maybe needs to be the next step. And, and they might not be there with you. Right. I don't know that every law enforcement officer you deal with is going to know what cycling IPs means. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, I spend a lot of time uh, trying to educate as many people as I can. The, the, the most visible thing that's come out of the gaming space is the concept of swatting, um, mm-hmm. which has, you know, at this point has actually cost someone their life. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that that's a good starting point if you're talking with the authorities. Um, uh, at least as a broadcaster, they're going to take you seriously because you have visibility. And if they don't take you seriously, my uh, my my rule of thumb when you're talking to them, uh, because I have an action plan with the local police here. I had uh, an action plan when I lived in St. Louis that actually uh, I wasn't home, but we got swatted and it prevented any problems happening with my other residents. Wow. Uh, well, so make, before we go further, I, I I just want to say you know some of our listeners may not know what swatting is, but sure, yeah, I, I'm I'll I'll break that down. So swatting is when someone gets your IP via one of the methods I was talking about, whether it's you match that with them in PvP or whatever. They pull your IP, they find out what the residence is that's attached to that IP, so they literally find out your address, and they call in a fake threat that requires response, uh, usually a arm threat. response, right? Armed response, yeah. yeah. So they'll call in a. Well, sometimes people call in stupid stuff like just dumb crap. Um, <laughs> but but when someone's trying to truly be malicious, you know, they'll call and they'll say, you know, I'm I'm calling because I'm the neighbor of so and so who lives at this address, and they have people. I see. I saw them. They have people in their basement that are tied up and being tortured. Jeez. Oh um, I'm not playing around, or or you know, they're walking around with a gun. Uh, and they have like, you know, things like this, things that require an, an armed response uh, that, you know, the the police officers and law enforcement are going to be going in there with their defenses up because they have to because and, and this is where I was going with this is when you speak to the police officers, you have to understand that, you know, it's not every day that somebody comes in and says, hi, I'm person you don't know, you might be receiving a call about my address that tells you that, you know, I have someone in my house and I'm about to kill them. Right. Um, so, which sounds like something that you would do if you were a really bold serial killer. Right. Um, so what I like to say is, you know, you need to make a plan that makes you safe because it is your life. Ultimately, someone has lost their life due to this. Um, You're talking about that event in 2017 when yes, there was um, a guy that was, uh, he got in an argument with somebody else. Someone over playing. Call of Duty, a yeah. Call of Duty match. Yes. Right. You know, the most important thing on the planet. Uh, yeah. And then, you know, they, the, the, the other guy swatted him, the SWAT team comes out and it ended up, they ended up having to fire on or ended up firing on the victim and killing him because he reached for his waist. Uh, yeah. And it, all of it was over a, a video game argument. Yeah. Yes. 
Yeah, so that's that's the incident that I'm talking about. Thanks for for you know putting that out there. Yeah, it's um, a mess. Yeah. So it's so so when you when you talk to police officers, you need to make a plan that's going to make them feel safe and keeps you safe. So I believe our plan in St. Louis was, you know, uh, if they received a call about our residence, uh, you know, all of us were going to go and we were going to sit on the uh, on the driveway with our hands on our heads uh, and wait for them to come and do whatever they felt like they needed to do based on the threat. Wow. So, uh, and, and they were comfortable with that. You know, that's not something that a serial killer is going to say. They're going to go like, yeah, I will, you know, if you like, if you're actually trying to kill someone, you're not going to sit on your driveway with your hands on your heads with the cops show up. Right. right. Sounds um, like something a serial killer might say. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, how did you, how did you get started with that plan? Did you just contact law enforcement and say, I went to, uh, I, I set up a plan. Uh, we, we kind of contacted the, the front desk of the police, um, office that was near us, you know, the, the station, that's the right word. It was near us. Um, and I just said, you know, we, we really want to meet with a detective or somebody, uh, we just need to discuss some threats that have been happening and, and sort of figure out what we need to do. And, Very cool. uh, you know, we, we talked about them. We were lucky we didn't have to do too much education. You know, the, the officers were, oh, yeah, we know about that. And, oh, well, what do you do? And, That's you know, I showed up on my socials and stuff. And, yeah, so some, like, this isn't as, it's becoming a lot more visible now, especially after that incident. So here's the conversation, because this, I want to make sure I say this. If you're listening to this and you're trying to have this conversation, show them this article, show them a video, video or two, because there's plenty of them of people getting swatted. And just be like, look, I don't want to be the guy that's in the chair and I don't want you to be the officer that is standing behind me in this video because it makes everybody look bad. Yeah, absolutely. You know? It's in everybody's um, interest to avoid these type of things. Just, yeah, just this little education will, will go a long way. So switching gears a little bit, let's talk about civil remedies, like the non-criminal stuff. Um, you know, Steve and I were sitting around and talking about the, the types of civil remedies that might be available. And, and you know, it's kind of stark. It's not uh, really clear what what's out there because, uh, you know, even though this is getting more common, it's still kind of a fledgling issue where a, a lot of the law hasn't caught up. So we, yeah. we had talked a little bit about uh, we, we had an episode of the podcast on bugs and glitches in games where we talked about the Computer Fraud and Abuse Act a little bit. And, and, and that's yeah. glitchy in and of itself. So that's full of bugs. Right. And so we were talking about whether or not the CFAA uh, is an option here. And unfortunately, um, you know, it would be really, it's, it's not, you know, the door isn't shut, but it would be really difficult to bring a case under the CFAA for something like this, because among other requirements, uh, that law requires you to demonstrate uh, over $5,000 in actual damages. Yeah. Might, might, might be difficult in, in, in most cases to prove something like that among some of the other elements of this, this cause of action. In Florida, we have another statute that may be helpful for some. And, and Ben, I'm not sure if you were aware that in Florida, there's this Computer Abuse and Data Recovery Act, CADRA for, okay. for short. And its purpose is to protect owners and operators of computers and computer systems. The caveat here being used in business. So it's for business purposes, stored on business computers, uh, to protect those owners from harms caused by unauthorized access. Um, so one of the things you can't do under CADRA is to submit to transmit a program or code from a protective com protected computer without permission. Uh, you can't traffic passwords or access information through which access to a protected computer may be obtained, which 
arguably in this interest, maybe could be IP. I'm not too sure about that, but uh, but the important here is that the statute doesn't have this this minimum threshold requirement that the that the CFAA has. But it also doesn't protect individuals, right? Right. No, that yeah, that's a, the the trick here is if if you were maybe gaming in your in your professional or in your in your LLC capacity versus your individual capacity, maybe there's something there. Uh, whereas if you were just an individual gaming, that's obviously a big thing that this this particular act doesn't protect individuals. So, um, other than those things, you know, maybe you know one could look to tort theories. Um, you know, tort being like you know An negligence. intentional wrong act. Right, right. And uh, but that's hard. Those are harder to prove, uh, especially when you don't have a statute that's kind of on point. So. Um, yeah, those are those are that's it, and it kind of creates this big gray area. Whereas you kind of like left like trying to do your best. It almost happens to everybody. You know, it's not a matter of if; it's a matter of when. Nowadays, yeah. yeah. And in Ben's case, you know, you take as much security measures as you can, and even then, it still doesn't work. So, what what can we take away from this conversation to kind of wrap all this up and to put it into into context? Uh, well, I'll 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 start. Uh, first, we can build awareness, which is kind of a big message that this pod, podcast episode is about. Hey, it's what we're doing here today. That's right. And you help those playing games be smarter gamers when it comes to cybersecurity. And uh, in addition to that, we can talk to lawmakers about some of these issues to build awareness that they exist and also that there may not be the you know areas of redress that there may need to be in, in terms of maybe instead of this act applying only to businesses, maybe we can extend it to individuals in, in the same capacity or or in another one so well there's also you know you want to protect yourself as a gamer and and practice safe cyber height or safe cyber hygiene and ben I'm, I'm sure you know all about this it involves you know don't use the same password everywhere use strong passwords don't share your password use two-factor authentication do you, do you have a, other you know security tips um yeah i mean i think that uh uh, you know, to take things a step farther, if you can, you know, using something like Google Authenticator um, on any any locations that you can is actually fantastic. That's uh, been a final line of defense for me before and saved my ass. Mm -hmm. So, um, uh, and I know not a lot of mainstream sites. Uh, I know Twitch doesn't, if it has it, because, you know, you, it might, it doesn't make things painfully obvious. Uh, putting as many layers between you and someone else is the best thing that you can do. It's like an arms race, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. So, so it's um, you know putting as many layers between somebody else and you is the best strategy. Uh, you have to walk the line as a content creator between ease of access to you and your level of security comfort. I'm more uh, risk taking than others. Um, I have a lot of one on one interaction with fans. Uh, I accept I, I accept an answer like every Instagram that I, uh, DM that I ever receive. Uh, things like that, because I think it's important. And as you said earlier, I give a lot of advice. So I like to make sure that I'm doing that as much as I can and provide as much, ac much access to myself as possible. Uh, but at the same time, you know, I've made it, you know, a purposeful decision to only use that platform and not Twitter and everywhere else. Mm -hmm. um, make sure you, if you can, uh, and it really depends on the state that you live in, try to get your, you know, address hidden if you use an llc use something that is not obvious like if your name is you know 
twitch.tv slash Paul. Don't make it like Twitch Paul LLC. Make it something really <laughs> random, like light bulb umbrella soundboard yeah. LLC. Is that yours? Um, uh, no, it's not. <laughs> um, no, it's not. But uh, uh, that's that's actually a, a, a vulnerability that we all sort of realized very recently at our, I guess you'd call it a holding company that runs all the stuff that we do. Um, because people knew the name of that company. And then we were like, oh, crap. Well, it wouldn't be hard to figure out the name of our LLCs. And like, oh, crap, those are our home addresses. Well, I need to change everything. Mm -hmm. um, so more layers. So, yeah, as many layers as you can. Try to add obscurity where you can uh, just to make things a little bit harder. Ultimately, um, if somebody wants to hurt you online, they're going to figure out a way to do it. But most of the stuff that's happening in the gaming space is somebody who's really mad temporarily and acting out and if you put 24 hours of work between them harassing you in a meaningful way uh in a in a in an illegal way and you know and the incident that's inciting it most of them are going to give up so that's kind of my strategy one last thing before we leave the individual i think education on clicking on links is huge and it's as simple as hover yeah. over a link mm -hmm. see what that that link is mm -hmm. Uh, usually if it's HTTPS, that's a good sign. Sometimes it doesn't have that, but if it's like something weird and you don't trust it, either if you have like an IT person you could send it to or just, you know, find access to wherever you're going a separate way, just, yeah, be careful, you know, and that's easy stuff that you could do to save you from some really bad headaches later. So let's switch gears real quick before we find, we, before we finish for developers, what can developers maybe do, you know, and this is coming from two lawyers and, and um, you know, talking about this, but things that I could think of is, is building security features in the games. Uh, ben had just mentioned Google Authenticator. That's a type of two-factor authentication that exists where it doesn't already exist inside a game. So if you put that in the game uh, or the program, uh, that's a good way to boost the security of that, that offering. Also consider hiring white hackers. Those are, uh, you know, companies going out there and purposefully hacking, but with the intent of finding holes in in the cybersecurity of whatever we're talking about, so that would be a fun job, right? White hat hacker, exactly. Uh, you know, I'd be interested if they use Red Hat Linux to do that white hat <laughs> hacking. Um, that was probably a really dated Linux joke. <laughs> <laughs> At least four people will get it. Yeah. So the last thing I think of uh, is maybe you know be prepared when things go wrong. Uh, we had a lot of examples of of being prepared when things go wrong here tonight. Uh, today in, in this podcast, there's other ways you can just be prepared. And some of that's like having a data breach incident response plan uh, in place, which, you know, lawyers and, and executives can help kind of put together. Uh, so I've been involved on a lot of those and they really help because it's literally you pick up this paper and it walks you through the process of we just got breached. What do we do? Okay. You categorize it. Is it a red? Is it yellow? So those kinds of things. It's, it's, um, it's good to have when you're in the, in the red. Right. And just like Ben said, it, you got to start thinking about this stuff before it happens. Once it happens, it's a lot of times too late. Well, Ben, this was a lot of fun. We are out of time. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Before we go, I just like to have you put a plug in for wherever anybody can find you. So where can we find you for people looking to connect? If you uh, if you want to connect with me anywhere, I am Professor Broman on Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, Instagram, Snapchat, anywhere like you it. want to give us your ip too uh no <laughs> <laughs> uh so that's that's the best place uh to connect with me if you're interested in any of the stuff that i do 
Uh, I'm the charity director for an event called Guardian Con. Um, we raise money for St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. So if you're interested in, you know, getting involved with that, you can reach out to us at info at guardiancon.co. Uh, and if you're interested in having delicious coffee, I also own a coffee company and you can check that out at kingscoastcoffee.com. Congratulations on all that stuff. That's awesome. Thank you so much for sharing your 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 wisdom with us today. And we really, really appreciate it. Yeah, that was Thank great. You for Thanks having so me. much. Thank you. So Nick, I have nothing else to add. I think we laid it all out uh, unless you have anything further. That's all we've got today, but keep your eyes out for other cool episodes of the podcast where we touch on issues uh, with respect to video games, law, and business. Until then, game on. Game on. You've been listening to the Land Party Lawyers podcast series with Steve Blickensturfer and Nick Brown. To learn more about our e-gaming and e-sports practice, visit carltonfields.com. This podcast is intended for general information and educational purposes only and should not be relied on as if it were advice about a particular fact situation. The distribution of this podcast is not intended to create and receipt of it does not constitute an attorney-client relationship with Carlton Fields. Thanks for listening.